WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. You're good at what you do, too. She is Natalie Jacobson. You are the dean of South Shore Broadcasters. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. Best-selling author, Dave Wedge. you got to say that. I'm sorry. Thank, huh? Thank you, Mayor. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. Kevin's been a long time. Thanks for all you do. All you, you know, your local news icon. We appreciate it. Oh, Kathy's doing a great job at this. And I've decided she's jelly. I got to be peanut butter. There was a debate about it. There was a debate about that. There was a debate. You fine with jelly? I'm fine with jelly. Okay, good. Jelly spikes my sugars. Good evening and welcome to Monday Night Talk. As you know, I am not Kevin Tachi, and I'm going to be your host for the first hour with Massachusetts State Auditor Diana DeZaglio. Welcome back to Monday Night Talk. It's great to be back. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. Jermaine Wiggins member of the 2001 Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. Welcome to Monday Night Talk. Oh, thank you for having me. Anytime. Not just economic development, but it's how to get the businesses involved. Senator, I want to thank you. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you being a, a voice bringing so much community news to uh, to folks here on the South Shore. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are tuned into Monday Night Talk here at 95.9. W-A-T-D, coming to you live from Broadcast House. My name is Kevin Tachi, and uh, we have, as always, a fantastic talk lineup this evening. We try to do our best to give you kind of, you know, we don't talk just all politics. We talk all events that are coming up. We do our best to kind of give you a, a viewpoint of things that are going on in and around the South Shore. Uh, we got a starting things off. He's actually here. He's He'll be joining us in half a second. Uh, none other than State Senator Mike Brady is here. So we'll chat with him about uh, a list of things uh, from what's going on with our local hospitals to uh, uh, one of our state reps in the Brockton area who is uh, deciding he's not going to seek another another term to uh, attending a, a literacy launch that took place in Randolph last week. So we'll talk with the senator about that. Uh, also, we're going to have a conversation with uh, the folks from the Plymouth County Democratic League. they got an event coming up. We've got uh, their president, uh, the chair, George O'Toole, and Roger Wood. They'll be in to chat about uh, an upcoming event uh, later this month. Our number two, we're going to speak with Ken Sweezy. Ken is a candidate for state rep, the 6th Plymouth District. We'll speak with him. Uh, then we close things out, speaking with some folks from Granite Chin Productions. But right now, Senator, welcome back to Monday Night Talk, your home. Thank you, Kevin, and thank you for having me here tonight. And uh, before we start, I can't forget to wish your father a belated happy birthday, Ed Tachi. We miss him. I used to see him at Sandy's Breakfast and meet him there for breakfast many moons. It was a little breakfast place on Belmont Street in Brockton, and uh, I want to wish him a belated happy birthday. Yeah, I, I will say this, and I've credited you a couple of years ago when we were dealing with COVID, that uh, there was a, I asked you if you would be kind enough to uh, to join in on a little bit of a sing along for one of your uh, one of your former constituents, and you were part of a Zoom happy birthday singing to him, and he still talks about it to this day. It was probably one of the, you know. He's been to many concerts, but that was one of the ones that was most special to him is was his loved one singing him happy birthday. So I, I will extend that. I'll actually share uh, the podcast of this, of you wishing him happy birthday. Uh, we should probably also mention a, a colleague of yours, a, a, a member of the Brockton Legislative Delegation, saying that he's, he's not going to seek another term, Jerry Cassidy. Yeah, Jerry Cassidy has done a yeoman's work. He 
served with me on the city council in Brockton when I was a city council. He served in the state house as a representative, and he's going to be missed. Um, I know he chose to move on. It's his time. But he was uh, an aide to uh, Representative and Senator Tom Kennedy for many, many years. He was well-respected in the community, did a great job, and he's going to be missed at the state level. Um, and he was a great racquetball player, which I didn't know till later in life. Really? He's such a humble man, quiet, um, and he, he played racquetball at the old racquetball club, which I didn't know till later on in life because he grew up, uh, you know, on the end of Forest Ave in Brockton. But he did a yeoman's work as a legislator and, of course, work of a Tommy Kennedy all those years. So he's still going to be around, but... Um, he is moving on from the state legislature. Well, we wish him well, and we'll be interested to see who some of the uh, the candidates will be throwing their hat into the ring to to run for, I believe it's the uh, 11th Plymouth District. Is that yes, yeah. it used to be the 9th, and with redistricting, it's, it's changed. Okay, well, we'll see, we'll see who's going to uh, be running for that in the next uh, few months. Uh, let's kind of talk a little bit about a situation that a lot of folks are watching especially if it's somebody who has has health issues and if somebody who somebody who is in the the fire service uh or communities that have an ambulance service there's word that there's financial issues for steward health and there was past couple of weeks there's been talk about them maybe selling off some of their hospitals we know that one of their hospitals so happens to be uh in the the south shore of the Brockton area that is um, Good Samaritan? Correct. Yeah, the old condo cushion. That's on the west side of Brockton off of um, Pearl Street and, and Oak Street area. Uh, and it is a very serious situation. I've been in constant contact with uh, our, our federal delegation, Congressman Lynch. He's been on top of things, a local state delegation and a local officials in Brockton, in the hospitals themselves, as well as the nurses and the healthcare care workers at work providing service for our constituents day in and day out. So there was news that they were looking to um, maybe sell off some of their properties. I, I heard they recently came into some financial help. So I heard that the Good Samaritan is so far in decent financial standing mm. where some of the other hospitals or student owns may not be. But right. you're keeping an eye on it every day because, uh, you know, I've heard waiting times of, of – 24 to 48 hours at the Good Samaritan in Brockton. And, and with Brockton Hospital Signature Health Care right. because of the major electrical fire, that may not come back till um, June or July if we're fortunate this coming year. Uh, they do have some departments open like, you know, the emergency services or for colonoscopies and other departments open. But uh, we're working with them and keeping in contact with them every day to make sure everything's moving s- s- smoothly. They're waiting for certain parts. I know there's a bunch of electrical workers in there expediting the work. Because that, that hospital was around over 100 years ago, and they added to it over time. And that handles patients not just in Brockton, but all over the South Shore. And I'm working with my, my fellow colleagues in the Senate and the House on this, as well as the governor's office. What's interesting is is knowing that you're saying how old the Brockton Hospital is. To one concern, anybody who I have talked to off mic, the other concern is, is that this is an older hospital. And is this hospital, as they're trying to make these repairs and get it online, you know, is it going to be expected that it has to be up to code before it gets a clean bill of health? Or is it ultimately going to be, you know, learned that maybe they're going to have to tear down the hospital and build a new structure? 
I'm, I'm hoping that the latter is not something that is, that's going to be a choice. But my understanding is, like yours, is, is that once they're able to get the parts to fix the uh, electrical situation, that they are slowly trying to work towards fixing some of the other problems that were caused by the fire. And you are right. The laws have changed since, Correct. you know, way back when the hospital was first built, and they've expanded. So there was some modern parts of the facility, but... They are, uh, they're going to have to put, like, the generators outside the building, which they were underneath the cafeteria. Mm. So that's when the smoke and everything else caused issues. But the electrical is what caused it. And they are putting new materials in there. And I give uh, all the staff and the workers trying to get that moving as swiftly as possible because we need that hospital online. As you remember, when we were younger, you had the guarded that was on the Stoughton Brock oh, yeah. line. You had the... Um, the Cardinal Cushion, which is now Good Samaritan, and then you had the Brockton House, which is now Singer Healthcare. Right. So, and as I mentioned, they cover a lot of the South Shore. So, there's been an extra burden on South Shore Hospital in Weymouth, Beth Israel, and Plymouth, and many other hospitals in the area. So, we're trying to stay on top of it to get things moving as swiftly as possible. And DPH is involved too. They keep an eye on everything, making sure everything's done correctly, and get in line on, on both uh, the Stewart Healthcare facility as well as Brockton Hospital. Can we talk a little bit about the, the regular Joe, the folks who tune into a show like this, who want to know what's going on as far as making sure that financially something's being done at the state house to help provide tax relief? I believe that a tax relief bill uh, not too long ago was uh, put together. Can we give? A, can you get an update on that and how that's how that's going? Yeah, absolutely. And this was a comprehensive tax relief package that we put together and voted on, and it gives child independent tax credit to families, which helps those families out. We increase the cap on estate tax. You know, property values all over the Commonwealth have gone through the roof. Houses are going over a million dollars. In the past, if if you had uh, any estate planning that your value of your estate was a million dollars in one, you get hit with the first million dollars as as an increase in your taxes, never mind the second million. So now we pass the state tax. We also passed the thing about earned income tax credit. We also single sales factor uh, apportionment, senior circuit tax breaker. So that way we help our seniors out because uh, people are struggling out there. And there's been a lot of concern. You know, revenue's been down in the Commonwealth these past four months, but we had to get some tax relief to the consumers out there. So that passed, and we are looking at different ideas with revenue to get more revenue in the Commonwealth. You know, ho- home prices have gone through the roof, so we're getting a lot of tax uh, revenue from that, but high ticket items like like washers and dryers, those sales have gone down. So that affects income tax. The stock market is through the roof still; it's mm. been fluctuating. But so we get tax uh, revenue from that. But we are keeping an eye on everything. We're looking at different ideas to get more revenue to give back to these communities. Every year, we've given more money to the cities and towns. You know, the chapter seventy money for the schools. Other money for roads. I mean, our roads are still tough at this part of the world we live in with the weather we have. But um, we are continuing to deliver more revenue to the cities and towns. But, you know, the, the governor's come out with her budget this year for 2025. It goes to the House of Representatives first. They deal with it and they deliberate. And then it goes to the Senate after that. So we're keeping an eye on all that. It's interesting you mentioned it because my next question is in regards to how this the migrant issue has caused i don't know how much it's um, it's affected your district parts of your district has it been something that is like some communities something that they're trying to deal with and knowing that the budget the fiscal 25 budget could be affected because we're looking to 
assist these 7,500 families who, you know, we're, you know, we're a state that, you know, we assist those who are in need, those who are homeless, and we don't care where you came from. How does that all factor in when it comes to looking at a new fiscal year budget and knowing that it could possibly be, you know, a lesser, uh, you know, a a budget that is a billion dollars less than fiscal 24? Well, that's obviously a big big concern. I serve on the Ways and Means Committee with Chairman. Prestigious committee. Yeah, and uh, Chairman Mike Rodericks, who's keeping an eye on things, he's got to hold the line with uh, spending and so forth, and he he, he goes over the budget with us all. And um, we are very concerned about that. We had we have a couple different scenarios. Brockton has not been hit with too many migrants coming over the border from Mexico, but we do have a Haitian population in mm-hmm. in people from Albania and other countries. Now, most people have come the legal route. They come with visas, but this is a problem and we're trying to work with our federal delegation. Unfortunately, I know that the you know, our, our federal delegation in Massachusetts is working very well, but there's been some changes. They they come up with a proposal that they're going to kind of hope, um, you know, solve some of the issues with the border and so forth. And in some of the people in other parts of the country did not support it because that would have helped ease the burden on us. And for instance, we have some legal residents that come with visas, but if they can't get their citizenship because it's so backed up at the federal level, they're actually becoming illegal, even though they got a legal job here and everything else because they're here on a work visa. And, and we're trying to expedite that. I got funding in the budget uh, last term to help expedite these Haitian immigrants who have come, again, through legal means. Now we have other people that are coming over over the border. That has affected the Commonwealth and also New York and other states in the north part of the country. Um, they're being housed in some of these hotels. Um, we've got to keep an eye that some of these hotel owners don't take advantage of the money that's going to that because that's part of our tax revenue. I know the governor has a plan to expedite work permits to put these people to work because you're always going to see the bad actors out there, but there's some people that come that want to work legally. They want to get their citizenship, and I know the governor's got a proposal and has put some of these people to work, and it has affected other parts of the Commonwealth. I know maybe Kingston or other hotels and other parts um, of the Commonwealth, it has been a serious issue. So we're hoping that at the federal level things get done, and I know we're working with a federal delegation from the Commonwealth, but the rest of the country, it's been very difficult because not everybody wants to support some of the proposals to, you know, we want to s- secure the border, but also to help people get into work and, and contribute. I mean, our restaurant industry, for instance, they're hurting for workers. The healthcare industry needs workers. Unemployment's been down, but there's a lot of lack of people that uh, to get into the workforce, so... so it's been terrible. How how could you ever imagine a Chinese restaurant closing on a Monday and a Tuesday night and not open, you know, late they used to be because, you know, a lot of people from Asia would work there and they can't get the help because there's a lack of workforce out there. So if you do the right thing to expedite work permits, they will put them to work in the workforce. But you still got to control the border because of the Un- unlawful actors that are out there that are causing sure. crime. You know, no, it's true. And, and, and again, just to kind of close out on that note and, and move forward, as we have a few minutes left here, uh, sixty minutes at a piece. Uh, just uh, not this past week, but the weekend prior. Uh, about you know, it's not just certain countries that these migrants are coming from. They're coming from all over the world. And the piece that sixty minutes did was that it was this. Uh, you know, there's a, a part in the the wall that people are. You know, that are 
finding their way through and that the individuals that they were focusing the story, they were from China and they were well-dressed and they had cell phones. They're like, look, we're breaching, you know, the, the Mexican United States border and we're getting into the country. It's just, it's an interesting situation and, and, that, that and, bears watching. And as you know, this immigration thing has been going on for many, many years. Oh, it's been going uh, not, on since, it's been, it, the migration, migration in this country has been going on for Hundreds of years. Right. But the way it's, it's happening now, it's a little bit different. And I know you can't live in the past. The old no. cliche, they'd go to Ellis Island, go through things to get their citizenship, like sure. uh, great-grandparents or grandparents. My, my great-grandparents came over from Italy, and that's right. how they did it. But, um, the times have you changed. know, there, there was proposals that were worked on, and for some reason, it didn't get over the finish line, and, and we've got to do that. So, We are with uh, State Senator Mike Brady. This is the... State House report. That's what we fondly call the opening segment when we're able to to have uh, a legislator from the South Shore join us, and it happens on a regular basis. We're blessed to be able to have great relationships with those who serve uh, at the State House. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the recent uh, gun legislation that passed the State Senate. That there was a, a conversation and has moved on now to a conference committee. What uh, what is different about this version, the Senate version, as compared to the House version, which was passed a few months ago? Well, I'm glad you asked that because the House did pass a different version, and there's a lot of confusion out there. So the Senate had hearings on a bunch of different gun pieces of legislation. They came out, which is called the Safe Communities Act. Basically, um, we we put in legislation and put in amendments to protect legal gun owners. We know that most of the bad actors out there and the violence is caused by illegal guns or mental health issues. So even though there was some legislation to expand the thing on assault weapons and ban some of them, we grandfathered in existing gun owners so they're not penalized by the, if they own a gun legally, so they're not penalized with the new legislation. Mm. And we also increase penalties on these repeat offenders. If somebody's out on a, on bail who who was out for a violent crime with a weapon, um, they there's statistics they might be out on bail and they'll cause another crime. So they're they're looking at second or third offenses. So we increase the penalties for them to make sure they're locked up. Ghost guns is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and I've learned so much. We have had meetings on that to learn about ghost guns. People can get these all this equipment to make a gun legally through the internet or whatever. And then the only piece they probably have to get legally might be the barrel of the gun. But that still is an illegal gun. So we looked at that and also Glock switches and making a regular gun into a multi-rapid firing uh, piece of equipment. And yeah, again, we're not trying to hurt the people that go to the rifle range or go hunting or anything else. We're trying to protect the legal gun owners. But something had to be done about these illegal guns, ghost guns in in the mental health issues. So we passed a piece of legislation in the Senate, and it's going to a— um, conference committee, and also the gun dealers. Now, again, there's legitimate good gun dealers out there who do the right thing, mm -hmm. but there's there's uh, legislation to do better inspections on some of the gun dealers, and even guns that are sold at flea markets are coming over the border that they're illegal. So um, we had a lot of discussion and red flag laws and all that, and uh, it is now in a conference committee. And um, again, I've met with a lot of my constituents on this. I got a lot of calls that people wanted some of the issues about ghost guns changed and all of that. I did have some uh, calls from friends of mine who belonged to the gun ranges and the gun clubs, and there was a lot of confusing about how this bill was put forth. 
and we try to get as much information out there as possible to protect the legal gun owners, but to go after the bad actors. We got a couple of moments left here, and I want to make sure we uh, tip of the cap. Recently, uh, Governor Healy uh, was in Randolph as part of a, a literacy launch, and I believe you were one of uh, a number of uh, other legislators who were in attendance. Kind of give us a, kind of the rundown of, of the day and, and being there uh, in regards to, uh, you know, getting individual our younger population to, you know, to read and comprehend what it is, you know, when it comes to, to learning. I mean. Well, we all know, you know, education is an important factor. We led the nation in education in Massachusetts, but you can never stop on your past laurels. And early childhood learning, early literature is so important to get full-day kindergarten. We, you know, we passed it in some communities for free full-day kindergarten. Not every community could afford to do so. Early childhood learning, early literature. So, the governor was in Randolph the other day, last week, did a great job. These kids were so amazing. They were so well-behaved. They, the band performed some uh, heroic songs for us, and then these kids read, and they learned about dinosaurs. And I'll tell you, I couldn't even pronounce some of these names of these dinosaurs. These kids did a better job than I would have done, yeah. and they were so unbelievable, and it just it melts your heart because we were so impressed. And these are young first graders, second graders. And then they had some preschool kids there, too. And I, I got to give credit to our educators, our teachers out there, because they're on the front lines teaching these kids. So it was a great day. And uh, well, I know that's a proposal she's already done. But moving forward in the budget, there's more more proposals to fully fund this early education, early literacy proposals. And, uh, you know, we passed the Student Opportunity Act. We, we increased Chapter 70 money. Yeah, a couple of years in on that right yeah, now. Yeah, we have share amendment that's going to education. So we've got to continue to support education out there because that gives a person a better start in life when they're moving on. Like our community colleges. When I was a young man, I worked at Superior Bakery going nights. Oh God, to, I love Superior Bakery. You know, I, I still love the Italian brothers. Smell of bread. Smell of bread in the summertime <laughs> when you're walking down Absolutely. the street the best. But, you know, I was coming from a humble family. I couldn't afford to go to a top school. So I had the, at least the benefits to go to Master Community College when I worked nights at Superior. You know, I know there's a proposal to make community colleges free. Hopefully we can continue to fund that. But that's a, a giving a person a step up in life. And the trades, too, our regional schools and all that, um, you know, getting them a trade, whether they're electricians, plumbers, there is still a big need for tradesmen out there, too. Women. Well, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, I want to give a tip of the cap not only to you uh, coming in studio, but also uh, Jim. Jim's here, your silent partner, your aide guy who is uh, – time i see him he he's on the ground he's always making sure things are uh, are going well whether you're you're there or not so uh, if folks want to your constituents want to reach out because i know constituent services are important to every legislator how can folks be able to reach your office well they can always call the office at 617-722-1200 or they can reach me by email at michael.brady at masenate.gov and i look forward to uh hearing from the residents I appreciate their input, and I've uh, I do periodically have office hours, and I'm looking to get out there to meet with the residents, whether at senior centers or at uh, housing authority buildings or whatever. And uh, I'm grateful to all the residents' support out there because I wouldn't be here as your senator without their support. There he is, State Senator Mike Brady, uh, here uh, not as a member of the Council Courts because he can sing one heck of a tune, but he had to kind of give us an update as to what's going on in his district and up at the State House. We're going to step aside. You are tuned to the Money Night Talk here at 95.9 WAT.
patio at McWiggins in Whitman Center. Sit down with a specialty cocktail and start your meal off with a patio sampler with chicken wings, egg rolls, potato skins, fried cauliflower, and chicken and biscuits. Watch the game on seven 55-inch monitors while digging into braised short ribs, fish tacos, fig and goat cheese flatbread, or koji steak tips. Relax and listen to the live entertainment at the patio every Friday and Saturday night. And don't forget, McWiggins Pub next door. They're located at 546 and 552 Washington Street in downtown Whitman. Invest your time in listening to Cape Retirement Radio and learn a smarter approach to investing so you can protect your future. Cape Retirement Radio, featuring Chris Latond, Thursday nights at 6.15 and Sunday mornings at 10 on 95.9 WATD. When severe weather hits, WATD activates Operation Stormwatch. Complete Stormwatch coverage, updates, school closings, and delays. Operation Stormwatch on 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Welcome back to Monday Night Talk. Don't just listen, say something. Call 781-837-4900. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. And we return for more Monday Night Talk here at 95.9 WATD. Just a quick note, if you are looking for any of the conversations uh, that we have had over the past 14 plus years, they are up. Some of the, uh, the most recent ones, especially knowing that this time of year, folks are throwing their hat in rings and looking to run for office, whether it's a local office, county office, state office. Um, I do my best to try to get those individuals to sit down and have a, a good, robust conversation. And we put those podcasts up. So if you are looking for any of the, the folks who have going to be running for office uh, come September or November, uh, be sure to check out the podcast. You go to the homepage of 95.9 WATD, or you can just... Search for us. We're on Spotify. It's that easy. We change directions, although not really much, because interesting enough, we go from State Senator Mike Brady to talking with a couple of gentlemen who are here to kind of talk a little bit uh, about a uh, fantastic event that's coming up on Saturday, February 24th, it's from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Marriott in Quincy. This is going to be the Plymouth County Democratic League's First annual John E. Walsh and DTC Chairs Breakfast. And here to talk a little bit about it, we have a gentleman who's the chair of the Plymouth County Democratic League, George O'Toole. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for having me. How are you, sir? Thank you very much. Thank you, sir, for having us. Uh, me and Roger here. We're looking forward to talking a little bit about this, and we appreciate the opportunity. And, of course, uh, besides George, we have Roger Woods. Uh, he, Both of them are, of course, uh, he's the treasurer. Correct. So he's an officer uh, in uh, the PD, uh, the PCDL. Gentlemen, how are we doing? We got a, we got a fantastic event coming Thank up. Can, before we kind of talk about the nuts and the bolts of the event, let's let's talk a little bit about about John Walsh, knowing that uh, we recently lost him. Yes, yes. John was in his recent post was uh, uh, chief of staff for Senator Markey, um, but our our involvement is he was a former chairman of the Plymouth County Democratic League, and anyone that knows politics knows what John did for the Democratic Party, for the candidates, for for building the you know the base, for getting volunteers involved. Uh, I think his his uh, his knowledge of running a campaign, ran Deval Patrick's campaign, 
um, you know, his uh, his energy was was uh, limitless, and he he was just such, he was a mentor to so many people in the Democratic Party. Is probably the way to do it. I've known him from Abington. I grew up in Abington. Obviously, he was a selectman in Abington. Uh, helped me with my campaign when I was on from '94 to 2000. So um, we just thought it was a, a great way to, you know, get the word out for for a great career, for a great friend to the to the party, uh, great party, you know, great uh, Democrat. And uh, we're looking forward to having this first annual John Walsh breakfast. George, what was, the, what was the the process to go and talk to the family, the Walsh family? Say, hey, we we, we want to kind of do this this little breakfast, kind of do it in in John's name. Was it was it something that was uh, well accepted by the family? Uh, yes. Um, so uh, John, I met John back in '99 in a in a campaign. Became friendly with him when you're uh, in a storefront. Uh, running a campaign in a storefront or broken down storefront uh, location, having pizza at 11 o'clock at night to get to know people, you know. And so I never met John there, but I actually worked with his wife Donna uh, for about 12 years. So I got, so I did know the family well. And um, so I come up with the idea as thinking that, you know, John, the former state party chair of the Democratic Party, um, should be, you know, in former chair, we have the Democratic Chairs Breakfast, Plymouth Democratic League. It was a good way to think about honoring him. And um, I reached out to Donna. I said, there's something looking to do. And she said, I think he'd, he'd love that. And um, funny, she said he has a picture of his first Democratic, uh, Plymouth County Democratic Chairs Breakfast. He has a picture of himself there. And he said a while back that jo- I got to give this to George. Now he's the chair, you know. John was the, when I became the chair, he was the first person to call me in the morning. I mean, one thing about John was to talk a lot about his politics, but he's a kind man. Uh, you know, he uh, when he first called me, he said, "Look, you can use my name, whatever I can do." Um, he, he was very kind and very generous with. He had a lot of influence, of course, but uh, he, he was the guy. You know, he talked to the cab driver, and he, he's a kingmaker. But he was a really, really but he was a very kind person. That's a, like a, a lot of people I think talk about the politics, but he was very kind. He helped a lot of people and just. Didn't expect anything back. He's just a good person. And um, his wife thought he'd really like this. So that's what we planned on doing. What you, Roger? Any interaction with John? Any memories of John? Oh, my God. It's it's uh, a lot. We were, as we've been working on this, I was looking to get some pictures and reached out to some people. And I ended up getting a great picture of him as a selectman marching in a uh, parade. I'm assuming it was probably... An early St. Patrick's Day parade, a Veterans Day, one of those um, that that will have uh, you know the day of the event. But I think the one of the biggest things John is known for, as George alluded to, is his generosity. Um, he would he he reached out to everybody, but he was instrumental in getting the the get out the vote um, campaigns going for. I think it was Duval Patrick was really yes. the big one. Yeah, as campaign manager for Duval. For yes. Campaign manager for Duval. He just devised a plan and it just got the vote out um they call it go tv and it's been it's been the boilerplate you know the grassroots boilerplate for every campaign since then and it was and it was his his baby he's the one who organized it put it to paper came up with the boilerplate and and um you know he 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 was a guy that everybody that's active in politics on both sides of the aisle know him that's how you know masterful he was at his job how helpful he was um, but the average person doesn't know, you know, what he what he did for candidates, and really what he did to advance democracy. Really, not just the Democratic Party. He was, he was, he was really a guy that thought great of you know the town he grew up in, the state, 
you know, in, in the country. So um, he was just just a great individual. Let's talk about the the breakfast again. A, a part of the purpose of this breakfast is is to kind of remember him and honor John Walsh. But it's also, I think, a, a reason to kind of bring candidates together. Is is that accurate? Yes. Um, so the, 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 this this is like it's it's on a John, but it's not going to be something that uh, you know um, it's, uh, an event that's going to be somber. This, this event is what John would want. This is going about having candidates there talk about their c- campaigns of twenty twenty four. You know, we have the um, Congress is up. We have Senate race. You know, uh, so we have the Senate race. We have s- uh, state rep races. There's a lot of people at this event um, that's going to be that are going to be there. So we have we have uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor coming. We have the we have um, uh, the state auditor will be there. We also have uh, you know uh, Senator Markey, Senator uh, Congressman Lynch will be there, Senator Brady. Uh, Senator Keenan, on and on and on. So it's going to be a big event. A lot of politicians and people that are running. Uh, Dylan, D- Dylan Fernandez will be there. Um, Michelle Badger said she'll be, be there. So different people are running in races to get them to introduce themselves because there's going to be a lot of grassroots activists in this room. Um, being the former state um, party chair, um, the state, our state party chair, Democratic state party chair now, Steve Kerrigan, he will be there. Mm. So this is going to be a very lively event. You know, I, we've said it. Oh, I, I've said it on this the show a bunch of times. Regardless, when I have we have different uh, guests who are political guests, who are you know senators, state reps, who are you know currently holding office, and knowing that the the South Shore landscape is changing, we see you know Josh Cutler, you know accepting a new position under Secretary uh, of uh, of Labor mm-hmm. uh, for the Healy uh, uh, Driscoll administration. Yeah, Becky Kaledeby was running on for that position now. Yes. Uh you have Sue Moran who is she'll serve out the remainder of her term, but she's not going to seek re-election. Uh Matt Muratori, who is a state rep first Plymouth district, throwing his hat in the ring, which automatically and there's like a domino effect. Uh just heard Jerry Cassidy in Brockton. You know, uh Brockton's a delegation losing a veteran like that, but yet Offering up an opportunity for someone else to run and be able to serve uh, the communities of Brockton and Easton. Talk to me about the, it It seems like, regardless of what party you're in, exciting time for for uh, local politics. It, re- it really is. And, and, it's, and it's funny, this John would be thriving right now oh, yes. in 2024 with all the, with all the uh, campaigns coming up. But that's one of the things when we had talked about organizing this event, we didn't want it to be a somber, you, you know, people getting up just talking about John. Because w- our opinion, and we, we talked to many that, that knew him and worked on campaigns, he wouldn't have wanted that. Getting all these people together in one room at one time, he would have wanted to, the people that are running, the candidates, the, the, you know, the, op- the politicians that are in office now, to be up there and be able to speak to the people, and that's really what he was all about, and that's why we decided to, you know, put this event together the way we did. I think it's, uh, I think it'll be very successful. We had, we've had a good turnout, a, a good response so far, and we're just looking to push it out there for more people to be able to attend. George is the the chair of the Plymouth County Democratic League. You've got to be excited to see all these different races that are happening within your county. Yes, uh, it's, it's going to be a very active year. Uh, a lot of people um, uh, putting their hat, like you just said, putting their hat in the ring. And I think it, we, the race is right to Catherine Arto, state rep. Everybody has, seems to have an opponent. You know, Senator Brady, Jeff Deals running against Senator Brady this year. Uh, so a lot of different races um, are going to be very active um, throughout uh, the Plymouth County. 
And so this event brings all the Democratic town chairs at this one event to talk about what 2024 is going to look like. We have the Democratic state chair, chairman, Steve Kerrigan, going to give us, you know, what they look, what's, what's it look like? What's the roadmap to getting people together to get, to get uh, the Democratic Party elected moving forward in 2024? So it's maybe interesting. What's, what's served at the breakfast? Maybe I'm kind of a little self-serving here. But, I mean, other than good conversation and being able to introduce yourself, uh, what, what are they serving at the Marriott? What they call an American-style breakfast, buffet-style, coffee juices, the fruits, um, bacon, eggs, home fries, uh, muffins, pastries, right up your alley, Kevin. Yeah, as you yeah. can see, I'm a little bit rounder than the... Than usual, we're working on uh, trying to, to whittle that down. Um, talk to me about special guests. Uh, again, you've kind of already mentioned some of them, but are we going to see anybody from the federal de- delegation that will pop by? Is that is that yes. in the plans? Yes, so uh, we'll have uh, U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren will be there. U.S. Senator uh, Ed Mark will be there. Congressman Lynch will also be there. Uh, that's the federal side of it. Um, then you have Lieutenant Governor Driscoll, Auditor a state auditor, uh, Diana Desaglio, will also be there. Um, you know, then we get on the ranks of the state senators, Senator sure. Brady, Keenan. You know, and how does that? How does having having that firepower in that room? How does that? How do you feel that energizes the candidates that are that are you know running for county seats or running for uh, state seats, Roger? I think what it does is it shows the people um, that the interest isn't. You know, all politics is local, as we've all heard from. I think it was Tip O'Neill that yes. came up with that way back. Yeah. Um, but I think in, in light of how things are, even on a national level, it's how important the seats are and the positions are and the and the elections are, even down to the local little towns in, in the South Shore. Mm. So I think in an election year like this, you have everybody showing up from the top to the to just the little, the little guy in a little town. And I think that says a lot about the interest in politics, the interest in serving, because obviously that's a thankless job for, for everybody that gets involved. But I, it energizes the it, it energizes the activists, the volunteers, to to get out there and help the candidates, to you know hear what they have to say, decide who you want to work for and, and and who you agree with, and then get out and put the put the you know boots to the ground and help them by holding signs and knocking on doors and making calls and doing all those things that we need to do to get to get our officials in there. How important is it to energize the party on, uh, uh, you know, on an election year like this year? I know we're kind of talking about things on, on right. a lower level, but you're talking about a presidential year. There's a lot of unknowns that are happening here. Uh, how, how important is this? Yeah, this, this, this event uh, leading into 2024 is important just for that reason. Um, the the people will be at this event to hear from them what they see in 2024, what we need to do. Uh, it'll be very important just to energize the people to get them active, uh, in like Roger just said, in these involved in these campaigns, and to get these folks all in one room at one time uh, with the Democratic cheers. It's it's important um, because, like you said, there's going to be there's a lot going on right now. 2024 is going to be very active, as you know, in your cheer right now. There's going to be a lot of guests you'll be going through. Yep. It's going to be a very busy year. But and, and also, if I could just add to what George said, is it's serious times. There's a lot of there's a lot of issues going on at all levels. You know, state, federal, local governments, and and people really need to, you know, be aware of what's going on. And you know, sometimes apathy, you know, plays in. But I think more and more people now are becoming more active and more aware of what's going on. 
politically because it, it seems to have an effect from the economy to your taxes to, you know, everything else. So I, I think um, I think it's going to be an exciting year. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and again, my role, I think it's something that I've done, I've, I've illustrated for more than 20 years, is to be the neutral guy, the guy who's in the middle. I'm able to talk to the Democrats. I'm able to talk to the Republicans. I'm able to talk to the unrolled folks, the folks who are sitting on the fence saying, hmm, which way do I want to jump? Do I want to jump off on this side of the fence? But I want to swing my legs over and jump off on the other side of the fence. And that's kind of important. It's important that I feel that I, I play an important role in being able to be an advocate and be able to talk to everybody. Everybody can feel kind of warm and cozy that the conversation we're having is is earnest and it's something that they're getting the information out to the folks who are you know in their base and you do a great job at it kevin and thank you because everyone has a voice with you no matter what party um and we talk about the way republican democrat you can come on your show and hear you don't know who you're going to hear on your show it's fantastic because i guess you have you turn on monday night you just who's this oh look at this one you didn't even know this person was running and you have them on your show you do a great job at that getting to reach to people that just want to didn't know they this person was going to run. Now they know. And they heard it from you. Right. Your show. Your show is fantastic. And we appreciate it from a political standpoint, too, because we all listen to your show. Well, and again, the idea is just to be to be fair and, and provide a, 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 you know, an even perspective regardless. I mean, I can, I've walked into whether it's a, um, a Democratic breakfast, like the Red Sullivan's breakfast in Brockton. And like, oh, what are you doing here? We, we thought you speak Republican. What? What are you talking about? And I've gone to... Republican events where they're like, oh, aren't you a Democrat? No, I I don't subscribe to, to either side. I respect all sides, and I, like, I, I value having the conversations with everybody. So I get a better understanding of where everybody is. That's, that's what's uh, definitely important. We hope you have the opportunity to come back to this event, please, and be our guest. I will, I will do my darndest to show up. Thank um, you. And let's... let's this is the pitch now is this, if folks want to purchase tickets, they want to they want to meet some of these candidates and kind of get an idea. Or maybe there's a candidate who's a Democrat who's like, oh, I didn't think I could, uh, you know, maybe I should attend this event and I can yeah. I can rub elbows with some of uh, some of the, you know, the, the, the members who are higher ranking and uh, on the federal level or the state yeah, level. The, or, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. Uh, you know, we, they talk about the, it's always about the Democrats. Well, the independents, right? You have to, you have to talk to the independents and other people as well. Uh, everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. And Roger? Yeah, so if I could, so we're holding our event on Saturday, February 24th. It's 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Quincy Marriott, 1000 Marriott Drive in Quincy. Beautiful facility, by the way. It was there for the first time when we we viewed the facility. It's absolutely great. We're having a breakfast buff- buffet, $45 per person, $400 for a table of 10. You can register online at actblue.com, or you can mail a check to PCDL at 538 Bedford Street, Suite 9, Abington, 02351. Or you can contact me by email at rpwoodsjr at gmail.com, and we'll get tickets out to you and uh, answer any in- information or any questions you have. Anything we haven't touched upon during our conversation, but it's it's worth either sharing or if there's anything we've talked about earlier that maybe we might, it, it bears repeating. No, I no. I mean, I, 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 you know, we do the we do the uh, chairs breakfast every year, and Pl- the PCDL Plymouth County Democratic League has done that for years and years, and we just wanted to honor John for everything he's done for the party and and specifically for the PCDL over the years and. And uh, George is the one who's orchestrated putting this event together and spoke to, 
his uh, his family, and uh, we look forward to honoring him and, and at the same time building up some enthusiasm for the, the 2024 slate. Yeah, so at this breakfast, we'll have, uh, from now on, moving forward, and the Cheers Breakfast, we call the John E. Walsh, um, you know, Cheers Breakfast from now on, moving forward. Um, the family's happy about it. The elected officials are very happy about it. Um, he's affected and helped them, the, one, the, the officials that are there that day. Uh, John has been involved with all of them and helping them out. So as we wrap up our conversation here uh, here on Monday Night Talk, I probably should throw a couple of pop quizzes at you guys. You guys watch the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Did you? Did it turn out the way you thought it would? It did. Did it? So you were at Mahomes guy, Chiefs? I'm a Swifty. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So where I work when I'm not on microphone uh, is uh, high school. And there were actually a couple of kids who were wearing... Uh, I'm sure Kelsey would go out of his mind if he saw this, or maybe not. Maybe he would see it as an honor. But they were wearing, you know, Travis Kelsey's number 87, but on the back it said Swift. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if it's going to help bump up, you know, sales, yeah, right? Absolutely. Why not? But, but I think Mahomes is the real deal. I mean, obviously. I'm, Generational. I'm, I'm a Brady guy, love the Patriots, love Belichick, but Mahomes is the real deal. They're, they're going to win some more. They're not done. Again, knowing that he's a mobile quarterback, the one thing that you always... I mean, look at Robert Griffin III. Right. This is a kid who, you yep. know, Washington, he you know had a, a c- right. good couple of years. Once you get hurt. Once you get hurt, you're a mobile quarterback. I mean, we haven't seen it with Lamar Jackson, but, you know, when you're mobile, you are kind of a, a moving target. If someone's coming at you, right. you know, you, you can suffer injuries. That's the one thing. I think yeah. Brady staying in the pocket was his... His saving grace and you know, all that uh, avocado Brady, ice cream he ate also Brady, didn't, Brady, didn't Brady, hurt either. Brady couldn't run if he was on fire. No, and, he was like know. a big giraffe running yeah. down the but, <laughs> but nothing wrong with that because no. we have six, he has seven. So It's true. Um, but it was, a, honestly, it was, exciting, has eight. it was an exciting game. Actually, Belichick has nine, doesn't he? No, I think no, he's, 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 he's eight. Yeah, six for the Patriots and two, two with the, the Giants. Giants. Yeah. Um, it was an exciting game. I think we... The, we Kansas City, because I was cheering for them. Of course you were. Burrow played on every aspect of the game for most of the game Ooh. by the 49ers. But the final score that Listen, counts. when yeah. in overtime, it was exciting, you know, which you want the Super Bowl to be. So, um, see what happens. Favorite commercial? Oh, actually, Jason Kelsey. Really? Absolutely. I love Jason Kelsey. Okay. Yeah, same. Same thing. Yeah. Not, not the the Dunkings or the yeah. Christopher you know, Walken. Is, you know. Yeah. yeah. The Christopher Walken one was really that was creative. funny. I, I, I Rob Hackle this morning was uh, polling the the audience, and I had mentioned the uh, the Vince Vaughn, Tom Brady one. We yeah. only saw it once, yeah. But I thought it was kind of a hood. Tom, you've won enough. Let someone else win. Yeah, it was a bet a bet M, uh, MGM. How many how many commercials was Brady in? He was in a few. Yeah, two or three. Anyway, he was in right? a few. He still had a presence. Yes, Speaking of politics, RFK Jr. spent seven million for his one commercial. That was and that was a, that was an interesting commercial. We'll have to have you back on to talk more, thank gentlemen. You very I much. appreciate your time, Kevin. Thank, thank you, you for having Roger us. Great Woods, show, Kevin. Thank you very much, George O'Toole. That's it. Hour number one in the books. Guess what's up next? Hour number two. Stay tuned.
South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. 95.9 WATD-FM Marshfield and 95.9 WATD.com. Dad, you know I'm willing to drive. Honey, we're all set here. But your eyes, you even say so yourself, don't like driving at night. Well, that's why I'm following the plow. But that's a sander, Dad. You know what they say. It pays to stay way back. It pays to stay way back. Oh. Too late. I'm Peter Brown of Tiny and Sons Auto Glass in Pembroke. It pays to stay way back. However, if your windshield is broken, just call 1-888-64-TINIES. And thank you. Invest your time in listening to Cape Retirement Radio and learn a smarter approach to investing so you can protect your future. Cape Retirement Radio, featuring Chris Latond, Thursday nights at 6.15 and Sunday mornings at 10 on 95.9 WATD. Monday Night Talk continues all week long. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk and keep in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. And we're back. Hour number two of Monday Night Talk. Hoping to make you wait too long. Later this hour... We talk about an upcoming uh, fight night at the Vets Club in Bridgewater. Some uh, boxers from Granite Chin Productions. Joey Bush or Joe Bush and Kevin Big Gulp Niggle. Chat with them about uh, the upcoming event on February 24th. Joining us, but right now, we have a chance to speak with a gentleman who is running for state representative in the 6th Plymouth District, and you ask yourself, what is the 6th Plymouth District? Now, I'm not going to be able to tell you all the precincts, but I know that uh, as of uh, redistricting, Marshfield, Duxbury, Pembroke, and most of Hanson, except for one precinct. Correct. And one precinct in Halifax as well. See, I always miss that one. And and actually, you and I actually did something on camera a couple of weeks ago, and I missed it, and you you picked it up, which which is fantastic. That voice is Ken Sweezy. Uh, Ken is uh, here to talk about uh, his run for the 6th Plymouth District. How are you doing? Good, good. And thanks for having me, as always. Always appreciate being back on uh, WATD. Let's let's talk a little bit. What, what, if, uh, what have you do? You ran for this seat. Correct. Two years ago. Yep. Um, for folks who may or may not know you, just let's reintroduce. Yep. Tell us a little bit about Ken Sweezy. Yeah. So for those who don't know, um, I did grow up in the district, a uh, longtime Hanson resident, uh, you know, basically born and raised there. Uh, you know, all the normal South Shore things, going to Duxbury Beach, playing baseball at Mattakesit and Botiri Fields, all that stuff, uh, going to Hanson Middle School. Um, from uh, growing up there, uh, also my family has a local small business, uh, Sweezy Fence, that's located over in Whitman, just the adjacent uh, district there. So grew up, you know, working throughout basically every town. I joke with everybody, I have more signs up in the district than uh, any politicians ever had. Isn't so, that awesome? Yeah, you'll see those on a lot of fence posts. So especially with the storm coming, we'll see even more go up soon, I'm sure. But um, so from there, after growing up around here, I actually went to school for forensic science, got my uh, bachelor's degree in that. Um, went and served as a civilian in law enforcement, worked for St. Louis Metropolitan Police, uh, which was a great honor. Um, you know, I love that. That was what I thought my forever career would be. Um, you know, I had the honor to serve alongside the men and women in blue there in St. Louis, um, you know, and learn a lot being in a major metro police department and 
sort of the shortcomings of certain systems and, you know, where you inevitably start understanding what local state city politics are all about, you know, interacting with, you know, the mayors and the DAs and everything like that. Um, And that sort of started, I think, my journey into where we are today. Um, But when COVID did happen, sort of took a step back and saw where we were at, you know, where I was at in my career and decided to join the private sector um, when I realized that just not enough was getting done. Um, in the direction that I would have liked. So moved back to Massachusetts, got a private sector job. I now work, uh, you know, for a small biotech and uh, sort of got involved right away. I started with just municipal uh, volunteering on a couple committees. I served on economic development, which of course, family owning a small business and and being a resident is super, super important. Um, And the local economies we have here are super diverse in the district and, and really a key focal area for me. So economic development and as well as capital improvement. So understanding the budgeting process and the and the laws uh, relative to the state and how that all kind of works and and being uh, creating partnerships with all the department heads and everything in town. So that's sort of what I did right away. And then, as you mentioned, in 22, uh, jumped in the race for state representative, uh, had a, you know, Great time, if you will. I, I joke with everybody. I accidentally uh, had fun while I was doing it, um, but really, you know, was getting in because I thought some things needed to change. I think a lot of people thought that during COVID and how the state handled it and how municipalities handled that and sort of what was going on everywhere. So that's what got me to jump in. And we did very well. I was very proud of the race we ran, the coalition we built. Um, we won two out of those five towns, um, which was the first time since Representative Cutler's initial election that he had ever lost a town. So we we're very proud of uh, the results that we got. And, you know, I think we have a really, really strong foundation for 24. I think life comes with a lot, a lot of teachable moments if you're paying attention. What do you feel were some of the teachable moments that you learned along the campaign trail in 22 that that could be something that you can apply don't necessarily tip your hand to any opponents that may be running for the same seat. But what do you feel some of the things that, that, that are going to make you a better can, uh, uh, candidate this time around? Yeah, sure. And I think, you know, I think it's just doubling down, honestly, on some of the things that we learned, uh, you know, while we went. We were learning every day last time around, right? And, you know, understanding a lot of people everyone's going to want your attention, right? Whether you're an elected or a candidate, you know, go to this, do that. And I think what I found was the most effective and sort of, again, we learned as we went there was go to meet, meet people where they are. Um, and oftentimes what that is in these municipal or state races, rather at this local level is at their doorstep. Mm. You know, it's at the little league field for opening day. It's, you know, at a business grand opening, it's things like that. So like understanding that rather than, oh, you know, you need to go to, you know, certain X, Y, Z things or every select board meeting or things like that. You know, what you're trying to do is connect with voters, right? So, uh, that's, what's so important. And as we learned, and I think you're going to see a lot of that, you know, as the weather finally turns, I know we got some snow bearing down on us a little bit. But a little bit. Yeah. Once that snow melts, um, I can tell everyone who's listening that they will see my face um, likely multiple times, whether it's at their door or out in the community. And that's what we're going to double down on. And that's what we're going to focus on this year. Where were you when you heard the news that uh, State Rep. Josh Cutler was going to be taking a new position with the administration and that the seat was basically up for grabs? Sure. Um, well, I recall that it was a Sunday, and I think it was the playoffs, so I wasn't watching the Patriots, sadly, <laughs> this year um, as we come off Super Bowl uh, Sunday here. But, no, as soon as I heard, obviously, you know, that was uh, piqued my interest, and I knew because my phone uh, blew up. Yes, I have plenty of friends, but this was something else all all, mm. <laughs> all together, uh, the calls and texts I was getting. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I I heard pretty immediately once the you know the background started to understand that that was happening and he was gonna get this new job with the with the governor and you know as soon as that happened uh, there was really no question we were ready to go we have a lot of that foundation built like I mentioned um, and yeah it was exciting news for us. Would you say that you, was the decision to run for state rep was it something that was prevalent that since since twenty two that you're like on you know I had so much fun I learned a lot. Was it already kind of in the back of your mind that it was just a matter of a time and a place that you were going to make another another run for this particular seat? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I think once you start, it never fully goes away. I mean, I think anybody who's involved, whether it's holding signs or donating, yeah, it's once you get it, you're 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 a lifer, and I yep. certainly was a lifer. Whether I was going to be the candidate this year, or not for sure. You know, we were going through that decision process still a lot. You know, talking with my family and understanding with work and everything how it would be possible, but. Um, you know, I told people in 22 is actually a big concern. People were like, oh, well, are you a one and done? How much, you know, are you connected? Uh, Rep Cutler had never ran against somebody twice before um, because everybody was one and done. So it was a big answer. Mm. And, you know, my answer was I planned on running in 24. That was my plan. When I said that, I thought I, you know, had a chance to be the incumbent running in 24, of course, mm. which didn't work out. But, uh, yeah, that was always sort of the plan. You know, I'm dedicated to making this district better, making the legislature more responsible and more receptive to, you know, the ideals and the thoughts of their constituents. Talk about the importance of name recognition. That's key when you're running a race. You already kind of talk about, you know, you'd won two or five uh, of of the towns, that how important that is, and the benefits of announcing early. Talk about all of those elements in your favor. Yeah. So obviously, like you said, uh, you know, the name recognition and what I really correlate that to, again, is that foundation and a lot of trust. You know, people have heard me speak. They know where I stand on issues. They, uh, you know, saw me knocking the doors last time. We knocked over 5,000 doors, uh, something I'm very, very proud of that, you know, no other candidate did in in this race. And honestly, I I doubt that any other candidate is going to do themselves this time around. Um, So so people know me and they have that trust and that you know, it's not just about the name. Obviously, yes, that helps. You know, you'll see the same signs and things like that. Um, but it's really about that trust for me. And that's what I have built up, uh, which I appreciate so much about partners, whether they're municipal uh, leaders, selectmen, school board members, department heads, like I mentioned, in town, um, in Hanson, or if it's just people, you know, concerned citizens. Um, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. As soon as, you know, we announced we were ready to go and we could call people and, and, and really get ready. Let's uh, let's tell folks again. We're speaking with the Ken Sweezy candidate for state representative, sixth Plymouth district. Here, talking about his campaign. As you're getting out there, you're talking to people. What are they saying to you? What are the issues that are first and foremost on their minds that they hope that if you're elected, it'd be something that you'll you'll look to. Uh, either remedy or get them answers to. Sure, yeah. I think anybody who's listening to this show and has even accidentally glanced at a newspaper or turned on the news sees the issues that are facing the Commonwealth now. You know, we have a shelter crisis um, with influx of immigrants that is starting to spiral out of control. I mean, most notably now we have a recreation center in Boston that was just overtaken as a shelter. And there was a really harrowing video of a gentleman from the community that needed to access services there and was unable to and had to be stopped by the police. And it was very emotionally charged and really hard to watch. And, you know, it's people were down in this area, oh, well, it's not a big deal. We don't have hotels. That's where they're getting housed. 
the the crisis is starting to take a turn and i think it's every, everywhere everywhere and everyone within the commonwealth should be really concerned about this they've they've looked at sites in pembroke from my understanding as well up to this point that didn't qualify but they can always come back around uh, anybody who's watching this should understand i mean if they're sleeping on the floor in terminal e of logan i mean they can be anywhere and we have to have a solution the governor clearly has no solution the legislature has no solution they're they're hoping and praying that the federal government's going to bail them out. Well, I was so, going to say to you is this, you might want to take that up the ladder because the federal government is still trying to wrap its right. its hands, its arms around it and say, right. what do we do with this crisis? Right. People are pouring in yeah. over the border seeking yeah. services. Hey, you know, this is, you know, the and grass I, is green over here. Right. And they've said up to this point that they're not sending any cavalry to help us. And I think we see from the negotiations that happened last week that uh, that are breaking down that it, even if help is coming, it's not coming anytime soon. And mm. They can't just keep kicking this can. So that's one big issue that people are worried about. Of course, the budget is another one with the the migrant crisis as well as these budget cuts. Nine C uh, cuts, yep. Yep. And we just talked uh, a couple weeks ago, as you mentioned, and that was the day that the budget had come out, the governor's budget had come out, which is $2 billion higher than this past year. And I don't understand. I think a lot of people don't understand where that $2 billion is going to come from. We are having revenue shortfalls. They're continuing to project revenue shortfalls. We're in pretty dire need relative to where Massachusetts has been over the last few years and under Governor Baker. It's just a complete 180 in the financial situation. And if we don't start making some tough decisions, I think we're going to find ourselves in a harder and harder financial situation. They're talking about dipping into rainy day funds that have been you know, propping up the state for a long time. And they're continuing. For some reason, their first move is always municipal funding and local aid. And that's just a really hard pill to swallow when towns are already looking at potential, you know, two and a half and overrides. And, uh, you know, they're already strapped for cash. And their only solution is, oh, well, towns can raise taxes. Well, the state doesn't. And it it's just a really, really tough financial situation. And if the legislature doesn't step up and do something in the stead of the governor, then we're going to continue to find ourselves in, in rough places. What what are local officials saying? Do you have you had a chance to cross paths with any uh, you know select people or anybody who is in the respective town halls and what their concerns are? Whether it's local aid, I mean that's that's where that's where you make your money. That's where you you earn your keep when it comes to your constituents. What are you hearing from the communities? Yeah, well, you know, to your point, local officials are really, really close to the ground, right? Really close to the constituents of everybody here. And, you know, one of the first rounds of cuts was $1.5 million to local fire departments. Within that $1.5 million included Hanson, Pembroke, and Duxbury Fire. Mm. All three of them received cuts for, for new equipment and new training that they were supposed to receive. So town officials, department heads, chiefs, of, of fire and, and you know police could be next and no one's really happy about that right they're receiving these cuts and in an emergency situation they're like oh sure we can raise these taxes um, so the governor was talking about raising taxes on meals cars and hotels so multiple of those the district uh, there, as I mentioned there's no hotels in the district so we miss out there um, I believe the cars um, you know, still we're limited in population and, uh, you know, we only have so much we can do. And then meals, that's that's your neighbor's business. That's mom and pop diner. That's, you know, the breakfast place down the street. None of these are good solutions. They're they're band-aids to make up for the fault of the state. And, and officials aren't happy about that either. I, I, and I might add in is let's let's not forget that not too long ago, whether it's the past five, seven years, is that communities were allowed to add a 0.75% meals tax right. to kind of help fortify their own budgets. Some communities 
you know the residents accepted it right. others not so much so do you want to do you want to kind of uh, double down on that meals right. tax and right. and drive people away right and and to argue that that's ever going to be a one time thing right it 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 just shows that it's not right you right. oh we allow that 0.75 well now here's another point and another point and before you know it you have whatever ridiculous amount on your meal to try to support these local businesses and it's just not right when we're paying so much as individuals and as organizations into the state that that money's not coming back to us it's not right you also have a very interesting district and where some of it is you know it's it's not necessarily the greatest amenities as far as having a major highway go through it like hansen um you look at pembroke you look at marshfield marshfield and duxbury are coastal communities what are some of the different some of the different issues that make up the communities you serve that you know that you know you're going to be asked if you're elected to seek out funding or earmarks to be able to help whether it's for seawall uh you know restoration or or, or to be able to help communities in need for uh education yeah we have a extremely diverse district relative to the south shore with that east west sort of geographical mm-hmm. Uh, configuration of the district. It's very uh, diverse economically, uh, geographically, uh, ecologically. Um, there are a couple things that string through. I mean, like water issues, for example, um, and other ecological issues. You have, you know, contamination of potential water, whether it's infrastructure or otherwise, and PFAS. Halifax. Yep. Well, PFAS as well. That's, you know, something that you can't even see um, that if we didn't test for would be, you know, hurting the residents. And, and that's continuing to be now that we learn more and more about it its negative effects and the cause of it for example even like firefighting foams and things like that um you know we have some old industrial sites like in hansen on the hanover line with the, the, old, fireworks, yeah, the fireworks site getting into Good the ponds yep so there's a lot of challenges that municipalities just simply can't bear on their own i mean we're already talking about them being strapped just to yep. get through education police fire and all other essential services they can't handle these large one-time costs like you know a well going down and i've talked with people on the planning board and other organizations halifax is talking about closing another well and all of this is going on at the same time where municipalities are getting stuck with the burden of developing their towns due to mbta zoning or you know 40b zoning and affordability minimums that the state doesn't fund or assist with but just an edict that they poke and leave on the doorstep of the towns that they have to figure out. So those sort of go through all of the all of the towns, and those are all concerns. Pembroke is pretty close to its 10%. Some of the other towns are not very close, so there's a lot of development that, that still has to be done in order to reach those, in order for them to be available, excuse me, eligible for certain state funding. So those are issues that are going to continue to plague this district, and that we... If nothing else, there needs to be an advocate for these towns. Uh, what I always say is I advocate for, for businesses, for small businesses, for the towns, and for families. And if no one's doing all three of those things, we can't have those things, uh, you know, fighting against each other. Like I mentioned, those small, those, uh, the municipal taxes, right? That, that might help the town in the short run, but it hurts the businesses, right. it hurts families. So we need to be able to advocate for all three of those things. So water issues, you know, you have uh, education, of course, enrollment falling in certain places, but cost per student is still going up yep, and shared budgets. school districts like Hanson. Yep, yep yep there's issues there with the funding for regionalization yep. and and uh, you know there's no shortage of issues kevin oh. as i'm sure you well know in any candidate you throw a stone and you'll skip across a few of them. Yes, that's, that that's definitely for sure. for sure and again if you're just tuning in uh, we got a few more minutes left with ken sweezy candidate for sixth plymouth district state rep um let's say you are elected yep 
Right. Uh, one of the one of the key things is you being able to serve on committees. There's some committees that you definitely would. I mean, ways and means is like it's, sure. it's right up there for everybody, and it's right, usually right, a top right. one. But there are other ones that are kind of near and dear to you that you you would love to serve on, and maybe one day be a vice chair or chair of. What would those be? Yeah. So what's really nice as uh, elected potentially elected Republican is I get to serve on a whole host yeah, of extra committees, not a lot of which is really nice yep. if people don't know that. So I got, I got a hand in a couple extra baskets if we do win, just as a nice <laughs> little uh, uh, unbiased factoid there. Um, but no, some that are near and dear, like you said, with my experience in town in Hanson on economic development, that that committee would be great. I think that's really important. Like I said, I work in biotech, understand that's you know fastest growing. We also have healthcare. That's one of the major ones. Uh, so much uh, that's around academia, of course, in, in the Commonwealth. Uh, so there's a lot of things we can do there. And like I said, economically, we're very diverse down here in the 6th as well. So making sure that, you know, lobstermen and, and these oyster farms and all the way to inland to a lot of landscaping businesses and, like I said, mom and pop restaurants, very economically diverse and making sure that all of them have a voice. I mean, there's been a lot of things that – sorry, I'm going off the committee a little bit here, but, uh, okay. you know, a lot of uh, – these current ecological regulations like offshore wind and, and uh, trying to eliminate vertical lines, I, I, from all the lobstermen I talk to, they do not feel that they have a voice up there on Beacon Hill. I can tell you that for a fact. And, and that is one of those groups that uh, economically I think is the perfect example of why being on economic development and advocating for them. And, you know, I'd love any sort of, you know, uh, climate committee I'd love to be on as well to make sure that there's an advocate that we make sure, you know, our beaches are getting nourished, seawalls are being maintained, as well as giving a voice for, for the thriving historical industries that we have down here in the six that have, you know, been the center for so long. Um, and then the other one from my past career as well, public safety would be a really big one. I think that's another group that goes pretty underrepresented, um, in general on Beacon Hill. I mean, we saw the police reform of 2020. Um, th there's common sense revisions that we can make to that. You know, I don't think anyone at this point is being unrealistic trying to campaign on, you know, overturning or, or, or pulling back that law. But a big problem there was the stakeholders weren't at the table. You know, I, I think... Uh, first responders in general, but the police chiefs felt they were unconsulted at the very least. I mean, communication is such an important part of this job. And if you can't do that with, you know, your few police chiefs, fire chiefs and, and first responders, other local officials, then I mean, I think this is just the wrong game for you, honestly. Um, so I think that's that's a big place where I could make a positive difference as well on that committee. We got just a couple of minutes left with you. Uh, anything I haven't asked you, but you feel is kind of important to at least bending the ear of our listener now to, to kind of better inform them about you and your campaign. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple other really big things um, that are important to the district, important to our towns and their residents. Um, one, I'd say, is technical education. You know, I know this is something that I bring up a lot, but it's so, so important. Pembroke is going through a big, uh, you know, sort of uh, committee fight right now to, to see the feasibility of adding, um, getting into the VOTEC uh, South Shore Votech, now South Shore uh, Technical School District. Um, but uh, technical education in general needs to be still uh, receive a lot more state assistance. I know they're looking into building some new facilities um, with the current school and the current footprint right now. But we just need to make sure that all students that want access to that have access to that. And then another one uh, connected to protecting our local economy is beach access over in Duxbury. I think that's always a big local Piping issue. plovers. Yeah, and our lease turns as well. So we got a state bird as well that um, is, is pesky as well. So <laughs> we... Um, 
We, uh, I, no one's going after the plovers. No, no one's no, going no, after no, the birds. No, no, no. We like the birds. Protect but you. yes, it, you know. But there has to be reasonable accommodations to make sure that the economy and the you know the heart of and culture of of Duxbury and our coastal communities is protected. And that's going to be a really really big focus this year. Folks want to find out more about your campaign. They want to get involved. They want to volunteer. How can they do that? Yes. Uh, website is up and live, has been for a little while. Great. So it is Sweezy for StateRep.com. Sweezy, F-O-R for StateRep.com. Uh, you can visit us there. That has links to our social media. We're very, very active on Facebook and Instagram. So please give us a follow there. And we'll have some events upcoming as well. Spell Sweezy. They might shortchange your name. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Sweezy is S-W-E-E-Z-E-Y. Okay. I should have just bought all the domains with all the different spellings. I should know by now. Just to cover your bases. Yes, I appreciate it. I want to thank you so much for coming in. And we'll definitely look forward to having more conversations with you down the road somewhere. Absolutely. Thank you for having me as always, Kevin. You got it. All right. Uh, that's going to be uh, it for this segment. But when we come back, more Monday Night Talk here at 95.9 WATV. Stay tuned. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. Located in downtown Whitman, McWiggins Pub is a fashionable upscale Irish sports pub with a lively bar and dining room. With all the class of a Boston pub, McWiggins serves a great pub menu featuring favorites like beer-battered fried pickles, Reuben sandwiches, shepherd's pie, bangers and mash, and meatloaf. And of course, they have Guinness on tap. McWiggins is a great place to eat, drink, and socialize with family and friends. With eight flat-screen TVs, you'll always find yourself in the center of the action of your favorite team. And don't forget the patio at McWiggins right next door. They're located at 546 and 552 Washington Street in downtown Whitman. Hi, it's John Paul, the car doctor. Thinking of buying a new car, selling the car you have, or just trying to get rid of that pesky check engine light? Join me on WATD every Sunday morning at 11. We'll have interesting guests, the latest news from the automotive industry, play a little car trivia, and answer all of your car questions. It all happens each Sunday morning at 11 on 95.9 WATD. When winter weather strikes, depend on WATD's Operation Stormwatch. Weather, traffic, and power outage information. Plus, school and business closings. Operation Stormwatch. Powered by Hingham Lumber on Route 3A in Cohasset and 95.9 WATD. Be a part of the show. Call and join in on the conversation. 781-837-4900. Now, back to Monday Night Talk. All right, we're back for more Monday Night Talk. Hey, just a quick note. If you've missed any of uh, our conversation, we will make sure that we have it up in the next uh, 24 to 48 hours. You tune in on Spotify or go to the homepage of WATD 95.9, WATD.com. So we're here to talk a little bit about an upcoming event, February 24th, Fight Night at the Vets Club. Now, the two gentlemen who are here, they are two local fighters. Uh, We have Joe Bush. Joe, welcome to Monday Night Talk. Thanks for having me. You got it? And we have Kevin Big Gulp (laughs) Nagel. Yes, sir. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Now, are you both fighting on this card? Yeah, so yeah. we're the main event on this card, so he's going to be the uh, Not main. against each other. Not against each <laughs> other. That was my next question. A little weight difference. <laughs> well, I'm the co-main, he's the main. Yeah. So we're both wow. on it together. So so let's, Joe, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. When you're, you're not in the ring, you're trying to score points, 
well, the gist of uh, the gist of myself is I, I'm pretty much just a fighter. Uh, that's what I do. That's what I live for. Uh, I do have a daughter. Her name's Scarlett. Uh, that's you know pretty much another thing that I live for. And aside from that, I'm really just a fighter and a father, just doing it throughout. That's pretty much all, all there is about me. What what when did you first get involved with boxing? What, what was it about boxing that you said? This is the sport I want to be in. I mean, you know, uh, a couple of guests ago, I, we talked a little bit about the Super Bowl. I mean, wh- why not? Why not be, uh, you know, someone who plays football or? Well, you know, uh, growing up, I couldn't really throw a hit or catch a ball, so I figured I'd learn how to throw a punch. And uh, I got in the gym around the age of eighteen uh, when I, I got my license. I got a car, so that was I knew right when that happened. I wanted to get right in the gym with it, and I did. I fell in love with it, and I haven't really looked back since. Okay, and Kevin. Uh, tell us, give a little background on yourself, if you will. Uh, so I started boxing when I was 10 at the Pembroke Boys Club with a uh, local fighter, Eddie McElhaney, and uh, Jeff Boudreau. Jeff Boudreau still trains guys down there. And then, you know, I thought amateur. I'd, I left, was in the military, and got married. Thank and, you for your uh, service. I have four, oh, thank you. Uh, I have four kids, Jimmy, Lucy, Elliot, Mac, Cormac. And last year, year and a half, I got divorced. My fighting career was over because my ex-wife... Was a PhD in uh, neurobiology. So once we had kids, the the fighting was gone. Okay. So when we got divorced to get through it, me and my buddy Steve Acosta, another local legend, and uh, Zach Helmus, a bare knuckle fighter, we just started meeting up once a week. And Steve was like, um, you know, we should. Well, I wish we could get you a pro fight because I've been I've been a sparring partner for about ten years or whatever. And he said, I'm going to talk to Chris. I'm going to talk to Chris. So I got in better shape. And Chris got me that first fight, and since then we've just been going. So, respectively, I would say what what, what weight class? Fat. Kevin. <laughs> heavyweight. Heavyweight. Yeah. Joe. So I'm a welterweight. Welterweight. Okay. All right. Um, like 150 pounds. Now, are you, <laughs> are you guys? Now, do you have you are there boxes that you followed? Do you have are there idols of yours? I mean, I uh, mean for myself, I would definitely say Marvin Hagler. I mean, he's just kind of like the marvelous one. The, the marvelous Marvin Hagler. He just is the pinnacle of hard work, and that's something I've always sought after. Because uh, I, at the end of the day, I wasn't always the most talented fighter, so I had to put in that extra work that other people weren't putting in to you know get the results i need they say uh hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work hard that's something i live by and that's something that i've gotten real results from so that's why he's my idol i'd say in a way so, so almost like like the the rudy rudiger of boxing is that what you are yeah sure you could say that because okay, because rudy didn't have if anybody remembers the movie rudy he didn't have all that talent but he had heart rudy if i could put some of your heart in my guys you remember <laughs> I mean, that's what coach said to him right um what about you, uh, Kevin? Uh, any um, any boxers that you've idolized over the years or, or that you followed? Um, when I was younger, I followed all boxers. My dad was a big boxing fan. That's what got me into boxing. So 90s, middleweight through heavyweight, up until the mid-2000s. The Tyson guy, maybe? Uh, lights out James Tony. I'm obsessed <gasps> with lights out James. So, and Steve Ricosa, whose style okay. is like that, we're obsessed with it. I sent him a video every day. He was day. a cruiserweight for a while, though, wasn't he? Oh, there's many different weights. Yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. he bounced around. He did. He ended. His body type looked like me at the end. So. I think he had like four divisions. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Roy yeah, Jones yeah. Jr. also. He was yeah. also yeah, one who yeah, he bounced around. Middleweight, middleweight was his all original. And right, he, couldn't, but, he lost to Roy Jones, and then he said, I'm never going to try to make this weight again. And then he just cruised through the divisions, beating everybody up, using the least amount of energy. Well, I like that you I like you both where you kind of have boxes that you've kind of idolized. Although, Marvin was a southpaw. You were, you know, the southpaw. Right? I'm not a southpaw, but I can switch at times. 
I'm trying to adapt to that. Yeah, it's something I'm trying to learn. It's definitely difficult because I, you know, I've had that regular stance my whole life. But it's it's not it's a challenge. But I'm not opposed to that challenge. So I try to I try to learn that if I can. So you're both kind of coming off of amateurs. I know you just had your first your first professional. I had you my had first your, professional fight, correct. and you you are four professional six. fights. Six. Yeah. Okay. I get old. I get old uh, information. Okay. That's but okay. You, you're still relatively kind of new coming off of amateur 100%. careers. Yeah. What What was it like? In the amateurs and, and, and competing for for each of you, Joe. Uh, you know, it was it was a fast pace. That was one thing I didn't like about the amateurs. Is that you had to you only had so much time, so you had to do so much in so little time. With the pros, you have more rounds, you have more time. You know, yes, being stuck to like four or six rounds, you're, you're a little right. bit ten, maybe twelve rounds. Well, no, in the beginning, it's still only it's four to six. You know, in the beginning, but it still beats three rounds. Uh, I uh, unfortunately I haven't experienced those later rounds. My first fight went pretty quick, but uh, I think I'm going to be able to take advantage of that when fights do go the distance. Because I always had the style of where I took my time, I placed my shots, really, you know, picked where I wanted to be, and I think I'll be able to take advantage of that in the pros. Okay, how about you, Kevin? So it's been like 14 years since I I boxed in the amateurs. 15 years maybe, but okay. I agree. You have you have three minutes in amateur boxing it's like someone has a, a dial that every punch you throw you throw more punches you touch the guy more times you win and in the pros it's definitely you have to develop the fight you know whether it goes long or short you have to go round around and uh you know decide when to take lean back a little bit when things aren't working mm. and, and when to step on it a little bit and that's really what in these first fights is finding your depth in the and how that's going to work, knowing how much forward. you have, how, knowing how much you have in the tank, and whether how much you have in the reserve, tank, yeah. when to step on it, when to back off, when to you know or punch step, yourself uh, out. Yeah, punch yourself out, and it's definitely now I'm going into six rounds myself. So now it's like if you don't knock them out in the first round, I mean you need to have that mentally developed of how each round's going to go with your coach, you know. Another thing with the uh, the pros too is like you can do real damage on those small gloves. Oh yeah, as an yeah, yeah. amateur, yep. uh, I went to the nationals last year, and they uh, make you wear tw- so you wear twelve ounce gloves in all competition. But they had these sting gloves. It was almost four inches of cotton padding. You get a pair of eight ounces or ten ounces in the pros, and you have maybe an inch of padding. It's a huge difference. You feel yeah. it. That's the Definitely. first thing I noticed when I hit you. Know, you hit somebody, and you can feel you can feel it. You can really feel it oh, on your knuckles 100%. and. Yeah. You can only get hit so many times with a punch like that with such a small glove. So I think mm-hmm. that was my – the biggest thing I noticed was that probably for myself. And landing your punch correctly. Yeah, the amateurs, it. I got away with some things with my hands that maybe like tomahawking punch, stuff like that. Yeah. But now, you know, just landing it crisp, landing it with the knuckles, not coming up certain because the gloves are so thin. No. Let's talk about talk a little bit about that because folks don't realize. I mean, there's so many combative sports these days, and boxing is kind of the it's the old standard. It's 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 tradition. It's it's you know, it's so. I mean, it had its heyday, and I know it's not as it's not the same popularity that it's had, but I think that it, it's due for its renaissance to be able to kind of be seen as one of the top. I mean, I mean, you you think back about. 15, 20 years, the 90s, mm-hmm. when you saw a lot of those big pay-per-view. Now, was it the, the pay-per-view and maybe some other issues, you know, behind the scenes when it came to boxing? Don't know. But boxing is, again, is if you can get in there and you can, A, make a living, and if you can kind of understand the sport, it's it's important. Am I right, Joe? Yeah, I'd say so. I agree. What I'd about say you? Lo- locally, you're really, you're really speaking to it because if you come to one of these local fights, you see how excited people are you know a lot of them are coming out to see local guys who have regular jobs and stuff like that and that's never going to get old you know 
these shows on on small people come out they want to see people come out that don't even know me that are following me from fight to fight now right because they're so excited to come to a local shoe and see that kind of action of guys that are out there with skill you know but local guys you know and i think at the small level it's always going to be there and it'll have a, a renaissance later on when uh, some of these other sports kind of calm down boxing will always be there you know and it's always going to be that fallback for people to watch because you know it's a little easier to understand i think than, <laughs> than some of those sports you know because we only have one dimension with with how we're fighting you know and you're you have to be strict inside of that there's no ta- there's no tackling there's no right. you know what i mean so right throwing elbows and yeah. stuff like that it's more or less it's, it's your two hands and what's between your ears is being 100%. able to to be able to kind of you know outsmart and outfight your your opponent, mm-hmm. right? Have you somebody now? Are you both? Will you feel as though you're when you're planning, you're doing, you're, you're fighting? Is it more tactical? Are you more point driven? Are you more as to to slip in slip in a jab and being able to to hit a guy, or you're all all out just trying to put put that your opponent down? I think as a pro, what's important at this point in time, it's not the amateurs anymore. This is real. It's not for fun. It's business right. and. It's legit. It's a technical game now. You got to be smart. Tough guys don't do well. It'll they last get hurt. No. You got to right. be smart. You got to be a thinker, and you got to do the right things as a boxer. And I say as a boxer, not as a fighter. You got to do do it as a boxer. You got to think smart. You got to make smart moves. Everything's got to be thought out. Put your training gotta, to use as well. Mm, correct. What's that? Put your training to use. Oh yeah, right? of course. You, gotta, yeah, you train you know, for these fights. You, you put a plan gym. together. It's important. Yeah, you got to translate what you do in the gym. To the fight, like my uh, my coach Mark, he he says yeah, everything's gotta have a purpose. You gotta be doing everything for a reason, and, and you're gonna get the best results if you work like that. Let, let's talk about uh, getting involved with Granite Chin Productions. Uh, are they the the key organization that you guys are, are doing all your fights through? And this is one of the one of the fights that's coming up on the twenty fourth. Yeah, uh, so I just met Chris, uh, Chris recently through my pro debut. He's, he's a real nice guy. He does a lot of local shows, so I like working with Chris. And uh, it's probably going to be best for my following to work with him as well, just because he does so many locally-based shows, opposed to other promoters where they might be more out north or out west or whatever, wherever their shows may be. It just might not be as appealing to my audience to want to have to travel that far. Yeah, That's why I like Chris. He's got a lot of local shows, and it works well for me. And what's Chris's last name? Triadi. Okay, I tried saying it, and that's why I, that's why I asked you to say it. I, I heard it from a friend. If I tried to read it, maybe it would have been the same thing. But I know what you mean. And Chris is a fighter. You know that's why I know him for the last fifteen years or so. And I was cornering uh, Steve Vacosa. I mean, he's a fighter. He's straightforward with the guy. Is he also a matchmaker? Is he kind of the guy who met the matchmaker? Yeah. Yep. And he's gotten me on other shows with him still being my, being in my corner. My last show was the only one I've been outside, and he showed up with Steve and cornered me. You know, and you get he's just uh, a straight up honest guy, and and he's going to mold mold at least with me, mold my career, stay on me health wise, making sure weight stuff's good, and just takes a personal interest in it. If it's got anything to do with how you feel, health, or stuff like that, and he ain't going to push you into anything or nothing like that. He himself fought he's thirty fights or something like that, you know. And he everything he said he's going to do for me, he's done for me locally. You know, we all have we all have now a goal. I only thought it was going to be a couple of fights, but he's brought me to the six fights. You know, with Steve Vacosa, six and zero, you know. six and zero, yeah, that's fantastic. But I I just wanted one pro fight, and that's wow. He he, he granted me that chance, and now he's just creating this career of, of sorts. You know, again, if you're just tuning in, uh, we got a couple of local fighters kind of talking about them uh, being uh, top of the top of the card come uh, February twenty fourth, fight night at the Vets Club. This is in Bridgewater. So uh, Kevin Big Gulp Nagel and uh, Joe Bush. 
Sure, no nickname. You just like just want a straightforward, not like you uh, know. You know, but we're kind of waiting for something to come organically. I've had a million nicknames, <laughs> honestly. Do you really? Rights. Yeah, I mean, but uh, I like the straight. Comes, up, I like the straight ahead approach, though. Yeah. Joe Bush, no, no nonsense. I could care less about the nicknames, man. I'm here to fight. I'm here to, I'm here to show up and win and fight and uh, do something great. I could care what they call me, truthfully. Okay, let's let's talk about uh, your opponents for for the events. Uh, you know, they've, as you said, uh, Chris does uh, the matchmaking. What's your understanding of your respective opponents, and what are you looking forward to on the twenty fourth, Joe? So uh, I got this guy, Raheem Johnson. Uh, it was kind of like a last-minute thing. We had another guy, but he fell through. So we found this guy. Uh, he's got like 30 fights. He's experienced uh, on paper. You know, he, he's got a lot of fights. And uh, I'm just excited to get in there with a guy that's going to be able to hold his own. My first fight, it went pretty quick. I, I wish it lasted longer, but this guy, I think we've got a fight on our hands. Why, why didn't he, why did he go so quick? Again, you're 1-0, right? Yeah, 1-0. Uh, first fight, I mean, I just, you know, draw, hit him to the body. And sometimes, you know, you get hit to the body. Hit them the right way. They're not gonna. They're not gonna get up from it. So that was uh, 58 seconds. The first fight couldn't get past that uh, first blow. That's just how that went. This guy, I'd like to think he's uh, more of a competitor. He was uh, Indianapolis state champ uh, wow. in his amateur days. He's got a lot of fights. I've seen him fight. He uh, he'll definitely hold his own. I think he's pretty good, but he's not better than me. It really doesn't matter who they put uh, in front of me on the 24th. I'm stopping him. So See, I'm excited. That's that's a, like how do you put yourself in that mindset where you're like it doesn't matter who they put in front of me. I'm I'm going to find my way through that individual well, to the next one. You don't really have a choice, man. If, you, if you're going to do this, do it. And if you're going to think some way, you've got to think that way. You've got to think you're the best. If you want to be the best someday, you can't think, uh, oh, I'm going to be good then or I'm, I'm almost good. You've got to think you're, you're great now. You're the best now. No one can beat me now. Because if you don't have that mindset, how far are you really going to take yourself? And even if it's not boxing, whatever it is you do, you should always try to strive to have that you know, uh, high level of confidence in anything you do. And that's how I think success comes. Awesome. How about you, Kevin? Um, I don't walk around in that mindset, but it, but how he's describing is how I go I in think there. It's a, I think it's, a, you, yeah. again, whatever's that's exactly gonna, what you need. Whatever's going to get you in the ring and what's going to put you in the right yeah. mindset to be able to. You don't think that way once you're there, then, then yeah. you have to re- <laughs> rethink your, your options, yeah. right? Yeah, regardless of who's in front of you. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, um, Trevino is is the guy I'm fighting's last name. Um, he, um, I think he's nine and ten or something like that. He's he's got a lot of experience, and like I said, you you never know sometimes who's going to show up in front of you. And um, any man that gets in there and is willing to to take a shirt off and fight you, you just you just got to be ready. So I'm ready for you know I mentally get ready for Mike Tyson. Oh, you know whatever. Like I'm there for for a reason. You know, so I don't think too much of why the other guys there or, or who they are really. I just have to have myself mentally and physically prepared, you know, for that. And and for me, it's also the weight. I'm trying to get my weight down so that we can step up in, in competition as well because Chris won't step me up in competition until he sees my weight come down because for safe, safety-wise, he just wants me to be in the best shape I can be in. And that's, what, that's my real mission right now. And shedding a few pounds helps your cardio? 100%. And it, it brings the skill that I, I have more and more to the surface once that weight's down it affords me more mobility in the ring and you know anything I mean even when as a welterweight if you let yourself go balloon up a little bit to yeah, super middleweight just certain yeah. things you can't do anymore of course and that's where I've been is just at 40 trying to trying to shed as much as I can and be ready for when he, he has big fights for me you know okay so. uh, and again so again fight night at the Vets Club uh, Saturday February 24th doors open at 6.30, location, 
Bridgewater Vets Club, 85 Cottage Street. This is in Bridgewater. You actually can get tickets. Uh, they'll be sold at the door online, granite-chin-promotions.ticketleap.com. But now, do you guys also sell tickets as well? Are yeah, you like tasked with, we do. hey, if you've got friends or family or maybe anybody who's tuned into this? If they want to get tickets from you, how would, oh, they, yeah. how would they do that? So they can reach us through any of our social medias, or if they choose to use that uh, online link that you mentioned, they would say uh, they would put our last name in the promo code for, uh, you know, Big Gulp. You'd use Nagel for Joe Bush. They just use Bush. So uh, just use our name in the promo code, and that's how you'd get credited for the tickets if it was one of our fans coming. Okay. And it's a fun haul. I was in the guard years ago up the street the national guard we used to have our christmas parties there and it's just it's just a fun hall i mean everybody has a great time local shows get wild man they're fun big gulp where where, where did that come from are you a a 7-eleven guy (laughs) yeah big time me and steve um so i got back from iraq in 2010 i just hated drinking water so i just drink soda diet soda (laughs) all the time so when i'm sparring or at the gym i have a big gulp with diet soda in it and so they, everybody makes fun of me. I mean, I go to Planet Fitness with a big gulp, but I didn't want to bring it in there today, but it's they in the car. sponsor you, man. So, I know, right? <laughs> so we had plans that Chris kind of tapered down on our, our theatrics, so <laughs> 7-Eleven stuff. That's where it came from. And then, you know, obviously I'm a bigger guy. I think it's fantastic. So, Again, it's fantastic whether yeah. you, you go Steve with it. Steve gives me a big gulp in the ring after the, after the end of the fight. <laughs> That's how you celebrate. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like it. Instead of the monster, you got the big gulp. Yeah, big gulp. Yeah. yeah, I don't drink or anything. I just drink diet soda. <laughs> now, other than your own respective fights, uh, are there other individuals on the card that uh, that you are friends with or that you're going to be watching? Now, there's one gentleman here, uh, Anthony the Gentle Savage Andriozzi. Uh, truthfully, I don't really okay. know much about the guys on the card. Hey, or that Jake. night, you, you're surprised by who's like, I always see Mark yeah. there. But the coaches and fighters, they, you always start recognizing them when they're there. And he, he does matchmaking right up right up to weigh-in, and you know things can change, stuff like that. It's always, it's always good good fights. So Chris has some dogs under him, you know. My, my understanding is that if you have somebody who's fantastic at, at match, matchmaking, it, it can be definitely key. Yeah. Whether, it's, whether it's boxing, wrestling, you name it. If somebody is... That's what they specialize uh, in. And it's successful as he and, is. And it bodes, if it know. bodes well for your respective careers. Yeah, 100%. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Now, where do you guys respectively train out of, uh, Joe? So, so I train out of Nonantum Boxing in Newton. I'm with uh, Coach Mark Agara. He's taught me a lot of things. Wow. Haven't really stopped learning since I've been with him, truthfully. So uh, I'm really excited to be with the guy. And uh, I think we're going to have a great career together. How'd you, how did you find him? How did you how'd you guys cross paths? So, uh, like I had mentioned earlier in the show, I went to Nationals last year, yep. and uh, a couple of guys from New England who were going together, we'd all hit each other up, try to get like an Airbnb, save some money on the whole thing. So I went with his team. Uh, I got a few friends on there. I got Meg, Gio, Los, those guys. We traveled up to Detroit, fought in the Nationals together, and we all just clicked very well. Uh, we just worked well together, and uh, I knew about their coach. I knew he was an uh, Olympic coach, actually, with the 20, I think it was the 2020 team he traveled with, and I just knew he was the guy to be with uh, for the rest of my amateur career. And then uh, some things happened, and we ended up going pro a little earlier than anticipated, so it, it was just the right time for that to happen. Okay. How about you, Kev? Who, where, what gym do you train out of, and what's that? Because of my four kids, it's like it's limited. I can't always go to <clears throat> usually Grealish's is where we always fly out of in Dorchester with Martin Grealish. Okay. But I can't get up there that often because I have my children on the weekends. So I work out at the Pembroke Boys Club. I meet Steve there, Steve Vacosa. He's he's my trainer for this. He's also still a fighter. But uh, and Kazon in uh, Norwell, it's a uh, uh, jujitsu and the kickboxing gym and stuff like that. And uh, Bruno Diaz is the main guy there, and, and he's in my 
corner most of my fights holding mitts and stuff like that so how are you guys feeling uh less than two weeks until uh the big card joe i'm just excited man and i just hope he shows up that's all i gotta say just be there and I, i'm gonna do what i gotta do no it's just another night for me another day in the office really what you got? At this point in my career, I would fight every other week if I could. It's just, you know, <laughs> I don't have that. I have a few, three or four years left, and I'm just having so much fun. Those nights are like, I, I see people I haven't seen in decades that come to my fights now that socially I wouldn't see them, and it's like a reunion at all these fights. It's so much fun. And, um, you know, it's a huge high that night afterwards, especially when you perform well. I was going to say, what, I mean, I mean what's, that, what's that like that night when you're, you're, you're sitting and you're waiting to – to walk out and oh, it's a adrenaline dump. After, you know, you're yeah, exhausted, even if it's a 50 second fight. That's, that's one of the tougher parts, man. You you were doing this in front of everybody you know and love, mm-hmm. and uh, we don't like to think of the idea of loss. But of course, it, being realistic, it's always a possibility. Anything could happen. So Especially in front it, of the guys you pressure. train with, like my yeah. trainer Steve is one of the people that I only people I really care what he thinks. You know what I mean? So that's even the closest people to you are who, yeah. I, who I get and nervous to, did I do it right? Even if you look good to everybody yeah, else, yeah, you want to talk yeah, to those course. people. Yeah, of course. You're always going to be your worst critic, too. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? yourself, oh, 100%. Yeah. Until I see the video, usually I'm tearing myself apart. Yeah. You know? So uh, I got to ask that. So, I mean, do you have a, did you have a chance to see your, your 58-second yeah, video? Yeah. What was that like? Uh, same as he said. I, I was like, <laughs> I didn't think I did good. And I saw it. I was like, oh, geez, I ripped that guy up. But, yeah, it's a good uh, I was too. mad because I, uh, I wanted more out of it. Uh, I, I guess I shouldn't really be complaining about a 58-second stoppage, but you know I, I trained way, my though. butt off for that, and I was really looking forward to ta- yeah. taking this guy's head off. I did, but it <laughs> lasts a little longer. Yeah. You, know? you got these long, rocky wars in your head that you're going yeah. to so, oh, show man. all these skills that you have, hard, and yeah, then hard. you do so well that you don't get to show <laughs> past the front door what you can do. But Now, have you seen yourself on video? Oh, and yeah, family and what's, members what's like? videotape and stuff like that. I mean, obviously... I need to be slimmer, so there's that, that part. But boxing-wise, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself for bouncing back from the divorce. I, I'm just proud that like, as a man, I get in that ring and I fight, and I and I bring it when I fight. Like I, like you said, I get that mentality. I'm not, I don't have that personality, but when I'm in that ring, it's all locked in. Beast comes you know? out. Then yes, Beast. yes. How about as far as how about as far as walking walk up music or walking in? Do you have your respective music that just kind of puts you in the? You're going in that ring and you're just you're ready to to, to do damage. Joe? So uh, yeah, it was actually so it was just my first fight, so I just got to pick a song for the first time. It was kind of weird for me. Uh, I'm known for my friends, like I, I'm known to be a big Eminem fan. That was my guy growing up. So I picked an Eminem song just basically to follow the culture of everything I'm about, and I, it was kind of a funny thing. But that's what got me going. It, it got me in the mode. It kind of brought me back to my roots, and it, it all felt right in that moment. Uh, now are you going to repeat that same song on the twenty uh, fourth, no, or, no, or are you picking another? It should be a radio version too. You have to pick. <laughs> oh, a radio that's right. Yeah, you can't have oh, yeah, family friendly, right? <laughs> Which kind of stunted some of the things I wanted to do. Family but, friendly. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm thinking of a few options. Might might do Ice Spice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No. Okay, have her bring you up. Yeah, she bring me out. Have my <laughs> yeah. buddy wear an orange afro. <laughs> <laughs> that could that could work. But what you what you what what, was, what are the, the past six songs? Or what Same I mean. Song. The, so what's your song? Uh, Dark Buster, a local band. Uh, okay, I've heard of them. Stand and deliver. So it's like a, a salute to the military. I was in the military, so it's that kind of thing. And a Dark Buster and Street Dogs. Bo- my Boston band, if I'm correct. Yeah, Lenny right? Lashley. Lenny Lashley yeah. from. Um, he's from Kingston, but the band is like based that was was based out of Boston. So I have I have a um, a CD of theirs. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, tucked away. 
way when I used to do uh, get indie it back music. Out, man, get it back. Definitely out. love it. <laughs> uh, we just got a few minutes left. Uh, again, a great conversation here uh, with Joe Bush, Kevin, Big Gulp, Nagel. Anything that we haven't touched upon to pique people's interest in getting some tickets to Fight Night at the Vets Club. Come on, Joe. If you want to see a hell of a show, show up. Get some tickets. You guys got the link. You heard it. We're going to put on a show. You're going to see local regular dudes. Speaking for myself, I go to work at 430. I'm a nurse. Uh, I Just like everybody else, and you know, I'm living my dream to show my kids that you don't just let it slide because you're getting older. You know what I'm saying? And that that's my mission there. I have not met or seen a guy that's not 100% in it at Chris's fights. Even guys that maybe the competition will see if they just they go they go to the hilt and uh, it's a great it's a great time it's a party like it turns into a party for not for me but that's what at the end of the night it's crazy you know so it just locally if you want to have fun and just and just see some local guys come on out man yeah i definitely would if you, you want to check out uh what the fight night at the vets club is all about granite chin Productions, check out their website. Find them. I was able to easily find some of this stuff on on social media, on Facebook. Uh, if you want tickets, they're being sold online. Granite Chin Promotions dot That's your way, and uh, this is going to benefit Fire for Effect Foundation Incorporated. So that's fantastic that that these are going. to the funds, uh, some of these funds are going to oh, be yeah. helping was, out. Fire for Effect was his name. Yeah, fire. Yeah, it's a, yeah. a Fire for Effect mm-hmm. Foundation cool. Incorporated. Anything in closing, gentlemen, that I haven't asked you, but you got to make sure you uh, you want to get out there. Uh, shout out the crew. Shout out to I want to thank you guys so much for Absolutely. coming thank in. Thank you for having us. Sincerely, thank I, you I very hope much, you, man. Hope you enjoyed it. It was, you know, yeah, yeah, it was good. Half an hour Just sometimes. A conversation. Can, a half an hour can drag, or it can fly I by. Well. <laughs> I'm definitely. I was definitely a little nervous. You know, well, I, you, it just feels like just a conversation. Well, Joe sent me an email at like what well, was like six thirty. Like, what time am I on? Because I want to. <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm, I'm prepared. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know it was going to come. But truthfully, I didn't know there was like no preparation to it. It was just a casual conversation. And I didn't know until this morning that that Kevin. Now he was teased that you were going to be a part of this, Kevin. I got that first email, and then that's I just thought come. I came last week. And then I texted Chris. He's like, no, it's the 12th. And I, was no. like, I looked at the tab. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the 12th. But no, I was coming the whole time. No, and definitely tip of the cap to Chris. Uh, no, he keeps it together, bro. For, <laughs> for helping kind of set this up. Yeah. And uh, I'm a fan of boxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that you mentioned Marvin Hagler. is yeah, one, one of the boxes. Uh, love guys like um, I've mentioned Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Tyson when he was just all about destruction back in the day. And then you know, things went south after he, you know. He lost his trainers, and Customano died, and mm-hmm. I think he kind of just he went south from there. But I want to wish you both the best of luck, and I'd love to have you back in uh, after you're victorious. Yeah, I'd love that. To, yeah. to talk good. about maybe your upcoming fights and where your your career trajectory is going <laughs> as fighters. No, seriously. I, no, I, wanna, I know. I, I want to hear, hear where you guys are going <laughs> and, and have regular conversations. Maybe we'll bring... bring Ben Rabinovitz in. I know you guys are, you're, Kevin, you're friends with, with Benny. He's yeah, like saying, yeah. ah, big friends I see with Benny him. at all the veteran events, yeah. Do you love And again, thank you so much for, yeah, no, no, for, yeah. for serving our country. And I want to thank you guys, uh, the, the listeners of Monday Night Talk, for tuning in. Again, we'll be back next week at 6.15 p.m. Until then, have a great night.
South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. 95.9 WATD-FM Marshfield and 95.9 WATD.com.